2: Winston Preparatory School is a leading school network for students with learning disabilities. Learn more about Winston Prep and register for an open house at www.winstonprep.edu.
0: And welcome back to the show. You know, we've covered the subject extensively, the subject of reproductive rights for women extensively on our show and elsewhere here on WICC, and Attorney General William Tong making a little bit of legal history in appointing our next two guests as women, in a position that we haven't had before, which are Attorneys General with a very special portfolio, which is to enforce our reproductive rights. Uh, Let me introduce you to Attorneys General Emily Gate and Alma Nunley. Uh, Alma Nunley joined the Special Litigation Section of the Office of Attorney General in 2018. She actually graduated undergrad with a degree in philosophy, which is never a bad thing to be thinking about. Uh, She graduated from the Quinnipiac School of Law, And after law school, she clerked for then-Chief Justice Chase Rogers and uh, Justice Andrew J. McDonald of the Connecticut Supreme Court. Uh, Joining her is Assistant Attorney General Emily Gate, who is also with the Office of Special Litigation Section, and she joined that in 2021. She went to the Yukon School of Law, and she also clerked for various federal judges, as well as uh, Judge Doria of the Connecticut Supreme Court. So, hello, uh, ladies, Assistant Attorneys General Emily Gate and Alma Nunley. Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show today. Hi. Hello. Hi. Good.
2: Good morning, and thank you so much for having us. This is an incredibly important issue, and we're grateful for the opportunity to to speak more about it.
0: I'm very very happy to have you. Um how would you like me to address you this morning? Should I it's a, it's um should I just call you Attorney General Nunley and Attorney General Gate? Would you prefer that? I think Emily and
3: is Just fine. <laughs> it is. It's
0: okay. Yeah, okay, great. Absolutely. That's fine. Okay. All right. So let me so let me begin with you Emily. Hi. Hello. Um, how are you? Hi. Good. Very very good. So Emily, uh I need to ask you how do you see what did Attorney General William Tonk tell you that your job is?
3: Well, he told us that uh, this position um, would allow the office to sort of bring under one umbrella a variety of different um, issues that are impacting uh, women and the people in the state of Connecticut across so many different areas. So it isn't just when you think about reproductive rights, it isn't just so narrow. It's privacy, it's healthcare, it's medical issues, it's travel, it's um, Information and misinformation and disinformation and so this position is really intended to dedicate resources to bringing all of those issues under one umbrella and being able to sort of offensively protect the people of Connecticut um, across so many concerning issues. I don't think that we really anticipated just how broad the impact of overturning Roe would be um, and anti-choice advocates are not stopping at letting each state sort of operate independently. They're they're reaching out to um, impact the rights of the states of, of the residents of all states, including those in Connecticut. And so we need to be offensively protecting our rights of our residents here as well as any that we can across the country, too. And so it was an opportunity to work on that sort of more tailored. It is work that we were doing in special litigation uh, already, but to spend a much greater amount of time and really coalesce resources and information across all sections to address the issues.
0: We were reminded of that this morning. There was a top news story this morning uh, about the impact of, do you remember that case that draw a lot of uh, national attention about the 10-year-old that was raped and how the uh, 10-year-old had to go out of her state in order to have an abortion, and how the doctor uh, got in trouble for that. Well, the rapist was just sentenced to life in prison for the rape. But the ramifications of that, because of the state where it happened and the abortion law being overturned, were dramatically uh, horrific, actually, for this poor little girl. So... Um, my question, let me turn to you, Alma, is what kind of cases are on your desk right now? Literally, like what, what are you working on? What kind of cases? Sure. sure. Well, the, the big thing that
2: we have been involved in and we're continuing um, to, to be involved in is related to access to medication abortion. Um, okay. So there's is that the mifoprestone? Yes. Yeah. The- well, it's mifeprestone, but it's also the second drug in the two-drug protocol, which is misoprostol. Okay. Um, the, the case out of Texas. Um, is trying to remove both of those from the market. Um, But the attorney general's office, and I was involved in this um, from the initiation, um, we don't just want to sit back and see what that federal court's going to do. So we joined a number of other states, uh, including Washington State, to bring a separate lawsuit in federal court in Washington State to not only ensure that these drugs remain on the market, but to Require the FDA to remove the additional restrictions that they placed on dispensing of misopristone, which are not medically necessary. The drug is very safe; it's been on the market for more than for, for several decades now, um, and we've had success in that case. We have a preliminary injunction requiring the FDA to maintain the status quo, which means that for the states that have joined that lawsuit, including Connecticut. Um, regardless of whether the preliminary injunction from Texas goes back into effect, both Mifepristone and misoprostol will remain available in Connecticut. And and that's the kind of work um, that, that this position and then our offices will
0: be doing. And let's just be clear, Alma, that drug has been used to help women expel miscarriages as well for a long time. It's not just for voluntary abortions, right? It's a very important yeah. drug for women's health. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, it, it, a lot of what's lost in this conversation is
2: that we're not just talking about abortion. We're we're also talking about points in a a woman's life where she may have a very serious medical emergency um, and needs access to these drugs that needs access to these types of treatments. Um, And she doesn't anticipate that it isn't just somebody who decides that they do not wish to have a child. It's also a lot of people who have unanticipated medical emergencies and depending on what state they're in determines whether they have access to that health care or not. And, and that's a scary situation to be in. We're not knowing what health care you can get depending on what state you are and what week, because it's a constantly shifting landscape right now.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. I was reading that the statistics show that Connecticut, that people are coming into Connecticut to have abortions, um, Emily. What do we know about that? Is that true? Are you seeing that in your in your life right now? Are you seeing that as the assistant attorney general?
3: Uh, yes, and we uh, have passed legislation that protects um, abortion providers here in the state. So part of our role is going to be examining what uh, what we see on the ground, what's happening within our state and then what's also coming into our state and then working with other states, with our counterparts in other states to come up with strategies and a plan um, as to how to protect not just our residents of Connecticut, but also anyone um, searching for access here. I mean, it Folks in Connecticut are, are traveling all the time, and it could be as simple as your job requires you to travel, um, either to Rhode Island or to catch a flight to California, and you uh, change planes in Texas, and you may not know that you're pregnant, um, or you have an emergency. Uh, so, it, it's really issues that cross so many legal boundaries and geographical boundaries, and. Um, And then another concern related within that is to protect people's privacy. So if they are coming here and seeking uh, access or health care, how do we protect their information? Um, And and so that's going to be another one of our major priorities is privacy um, and protecting people's privacy that are coming into this state as well as our own residents.
0: How are you going to protect people's privacy? Literally EPIC the the company epic owns something like 70% of americans healthcare records and which means if you have access to epic you have access to 70% of americans healthcare records how do you possibly think that you can protect somebody's privacy in a world where everything is online i mean electronic how, how do you think that you can do that I'll, I'll let emily you can start since you brought it up i mean is that a realistic promise to people that their privacy can be protected
3: well, there are certainly ways to promote it. And um, I'll let Alma speak a little bit more about that if she doesn't mind. Sure. Like. Go
2: ahead, sure. Well, well, just as an initial matter, too, our the Office of the Attorney General in the Connecticut was the first in the nation to establish a dedicated data privacy section. And they're really experts in the area of data privacy and we'll be working closely with them uh, to partner on these kinds of issues. Um, but one example of ways that we can protect Patients' privacy, despite everything being electronic, is uh, the federal government right now is proposing changes to the HIPAA regulations um, that would increase the privacy rights and and restrictions on disseminating information about patients seeking reproductive health care. Um, that's something that we've joined other states to to propose to support that. Um, and then there's other steps as well. Um, we do have also the statute um, that was passed. Uh, last year uh, that seeks to protect our providers in the state, but it also limits the ability of someone to come from out of state to seek subpoena records um, for the purpose of bringing uh, a civil action or a criminal action against someone for seeking medical care that is legal in Connecticut.
0: I want to talk big picture a little bit. Um, Alma, we're chatting with the two women that were appointed uh, by uh, Je- attorneys General, Assistant attorneys General Alma Nunley and Emily Gate that were appointed uh, as special, basically special prosecutors or defense, both, uh, but their special portfolio positions as litigators to protect our reproductive freedoms here in Connecticut. Alma, let's talk about the big picture. You know, a lot of people thought that the anti-choice coalition really wanted – to just have abortion become illegal. But it looks like they want to go much further than that. They want to not only have women not be able to have abortion on demand, uh, and I would say on demand, let's say the first trimester with um, diminishing opportunities for that as the fetus grows and becomes more viable, but they also really want to put women in jail and doctors in jail. We're seeing that, aren't we? We're really seeing that. They want to put people in jail for this.
2: Absolutely. And that's something where it's an example of how another state's laws can impact those in Connecticut, Um, because if another state's criminalizing the conduct, then having provided that care here to a resident of that state puts that provider at risk. Um, And it's it's also something that's not necessarily going to stop with abortion access. Um, We're seeing challenges broadly um, to to contraception, to things that predated Roe in terms of, of our rights and, and the ability to have those things, but th- they're under attack. And and that's something to really to think about. You, even someone who would never consider having an abortion, th- there's other issues at play here. There's other access to health care that's at play here that, that's potentially at, at risk.
3: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Well, I have I have been reading interviews with women uh about, you know, gynecologists in training. There was one that I read recently where a woman said that she just didn't feel like she could get the adequate training as a doctor, as a, as a as a resident intern in her medical school. I think it was in Texas. And she felt that she had to go out of state to do a rotation in another state because if a woman comes in bleeding in the first or second or third trimester of a pregnancy, she wouldn't be taught what to do about it. Isn't that awful? It's terrible.
2: Absolutely. And, and that's this is the kind of thing where it's really putting women's lives at risk and it's only going to get worse in that situation because if there are doctors who are not receiving training in this in certain states that means in those states over time you're going to have fewer and fewer doctors who have any experience in this area and if a woman does come in with a medical emergency a miscarriage or some other pregnancy complication they're not going to be experienced in that treatment they're she's going to receive care from a doctor who either has never done it, has rarely done it, or she's going to have to seek care in another state, which we're also seeing happening um, because hospitals and doctors are uncomfortable with what they can do, even when there are legal access to to abortion for life of the mother, that's not always happening. And that delay and that moving to another state to do that it puts the mother's life at risk, and it also puts a huge burden on people based on their socioeconomic level. It's expensive to travel to another state, and now that we have a huge stretch geographically of the country where abortion access is limited or prohibited, travel isn't just going to the next state over. It could be going halfway across the country to have access.
3: And I think what's so deeply troubling to us is that... um, in overturning Roe and in the Dobbs decision, there's just a complete lack of consideration of, of all of the implications of this on people. Um, it's it's so broad and it's so dismissive of just a fundamental right, without taking into consideration uh, all of the emergency implications, health implications. It's just it's it's so expansive and so troubling, and uh, there was just no consideration of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very troubling to me because our maternity statistics are, are already abysmal as opposed to the rest of the developed world. Uh, black mothers have a much worse likelihood of outcome in terms of maternal health than white mothers already. And a lot of where that is is, yes, it's immediately after birth, but sometimes these complications can arise in pregnancy. And if doctors aren't being trained for every possible complication, ectopic, all kind of things that can happen, we as women are the ones that suffer. It's not just about the election of having an abortion here. It's a far bigger platform than that. That's what's so troubling.
1: I
3: have an acquaintance who, uh, you know, went to visit her parents in Florida and uh, went into labor four months early, and everything turned out fine for her, but you can imagine the potential tragedies that could have resulted from that. Um, so it's, it's, it's unexpected. Pri- uh, pregnancies are complicated. There are always complications and things that are unexpected. So, um, like you said, it's, it's very troubling.
0: So right now on your plate is the case in which you're going to be collaborating with other uh, attorneys general to try and protect the right of at least all of us, but particularly here in Connecticut, to the two drugs that are needed to both treat a miscarriage and to induce a miscarriage, right? This mifeprestone and the other one, um, which I can't pronounce. Uh, What other cases, if any, are you working on right now?
2: Case that that's currently on the docket. So what what we're doing right now as well is because we're not new to this work, but we're new to this role. We really want to meet with and the stakeholders who have been in this for a long time. They know what what women need um, and get a better sense of what's going on. To, to a certain extent, the cases that we've been involved in have been in response to things that are happening, um, and so. As we look to try to be more on the offensive, um, we're looking for opportunities. Uh, We do have in Connecticut a statute that it's tasked the attorney general to enforce um, that prohibits crisis pregnancy centers from using deceptive advertising practices. Mm. Um, So that's something that we're looking at now that we're in this role. Um, We we have that authority has not been used to date, but um, that doesn't mean that the the attorney general's office won't use that authority in the appropriate circumstances. And that's certainly something that that's on our radar um, as a a possibility.
0: And by deceptive, you mean that women think that they're coming there to get real uh, information about the options available to them, but in fact when they get there, the only option they hear about is to keep the baby and possibly adopt the baby out or get assistance in being a new mother. Is that right?
2: That's part of it, and then also women who think that they're going to receive the full panoply of healthcare Mm -hmm. um, and these centers don't provide that. They can do a pregnancy confirmation, they can do an ultrasound, but They can't necessarily, um, and for the most part, they don't provide any other medical treatment um, or or diagnosis. There's uh, a case that was just filed in Massachusetts where a woman went to a a crisis pregnancy center to confirm her pregnancy. They told her she was pregnant. They told her that everything was fine, so she didn't promptly go seek other care. And it turned out she had an ectopic pregnancy, and she had a serious medical crisis. Oh, my. that could have been avoided if she simply knew that she had the ectopic pregnancy. Oh, yeah,
0: you can see that right away where the baby's growing in the tube instead of in the uterus. It's it's life-threatening for sure. Yeah. Wow. Okay, we're chatting with um, Assistant Attorneys General Emily Gate and Alma Nunley. I want to thank you for being here. Uh ladies, do you um do you take the reporting of cases? In other words, uh, how would somebody want to tell you if they think that there is a case that they would want you to know about or hear or possibly help with?
2: Uh, Certainly. So the the Attorney General's office, if you go to our our website, um, there's the ability to fill out a a form that you can have that information. Um, That information can be routed to us, um, and then we can... We can get back to them. And then also, if somebody's simply seeking information about abortion access in Connecticut, um, we've partnered with the New York Attorney General's Office um, on their hotline for that types of information. Um, so they can call that number, which is 212-899-5567. They'll be asked to leave a message. They don't have to leave their name. And then a volunteer attorney will call them back um, to, to help assist them.
0: Emily, as a practical matter here in Connecticut, are abortions typically medically induced? Are, are a majority now with pills, or are they still a procedure?
3: Medically induced with pills, and that's true not only in Connecticut but across the country. That is the majority of uh, method for abortion now.
0: And does it require a prescription from a doctor? Uh,
2: in Connecticut, the FDA recently changed that, um, and so has Connecticut. So it can also be uh, prescribed by another, I believe, an APRN um, or a physician's assistant. I'm remembering that off the top of my head. And it also can um, be dispensed by a pharmacist now, which uh, didn't, what well, wasn't previously the case. Um, it had to be dispensed by the doctor, not only prescribed by the doctor.
0: Does a woman need to see a doctor after taking these meds?
2: Um, Are you asking in terms of uh, Of medically or legally?
0: No, no, no. No, not legally. I'm saying does the medical protocol require that at some point the woman see a doctor? That's what I'm asking. Um,
2: After the woman's taken the medication, um,
0: as long as she doesn't have
2: complications there wouldn't be a need to see a doctor to follow up on that um I see. obviously with any medication there's a risk of a complication and that might require follow-up but right. the drugs are the drugs are routinely used and they're safely used and there's no medical reason why uh, a woman would require a follow-up
0: so they don't always need a dnc procedure or something after taking the pill or anything like that No, in the vast
2: majority of cases, um, the pills are are all the woman needs to do. And the DNC procedure would only be used if there was a complication. Um, And that's, that's a rare occurrence.
0: Right. And once again, comes back to wanting doctors to have medical training because very often miscarriages expel and a woman does need a DNC afterwards to sort of clean everything up. That's what they need. So we need to have doctors know how to do this for women. We just do. That's my big concern. That's really my biggest concern. That we're just, you know, educating a generation of doctors. I've been concerned about this since well before Dobbs, that we just had all these doctors all over the place that didn't know how to treat women. And we see that. We see that because the healthcare outcomes for women are not as good as they should be. When we compare our healthcare outcomes to other developed countries, the United States is dismal. It's absolutely dismal. And we could do a lot better. And it begins with education. So, anyway. All right, ladies. well, thank you for doing this um uh, do you guys get any um do you guys get any bad feedback here in Connecticut? Is there any kind of nastiness that comes at you for taking on this role? uh it has not happened to me yet not yet <laughs> okay good we hope
3: not we We think we're in a in a in a state where we're lucky to have this position and we feel like we have a real opportunity to affect some change and positive change and help the people of the state. So we're really excited to be able to do the work.
0: Assistant Attorneys General Emily Gate and Alma Nunley, thank you very much for being on the Lisa Wexler Show today. We'll be following your work with interest. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We'll be right back with more of the show. Stay tuned.